Warning, this podcast contains explicit sexual language and should only be listened to at work if you're looking for an excuse to connect with your HR representative. Additionally, all mentions of the word women include cis, trans, envy, genderqueer, genderfluid, and those still figuring it out. Yes, you. You are welcome here. Will you open up with me? These pages they can feed your innermost desires. Do you feel inspired? Are you getting what you need? Are you coming curiously? A secret safe with me. And here you can simply be yourself. Hi, y'all. This is Jace, and you found Jace Reads Romance. I am so excited this week to be joined by the incredible Sefi, who has a beautiful story about romance writing, writing herself, and self-discovery that I cannot wait to have shared with you all. So without further ado, Sefi, please introduce yourself. Tell our listeners how much fun they're going to have over these next 30 minutes. I'm Sefi. My pronouns are she, her. I love the story that we're going to tell just because it really is like a journey of extreme self-discovery. And I'm very proud of who I am now based off of how this journey went. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. All right. Let's start at the beginning. Where were you and what instigated this incredible change in your life okay (laughs) I was (laughs) I was on tumblr um this is like 2013 tumblr though so back when it was like good and um (laughs) and it was right around the time that Tom Hiddleston appeared at comic-con dressed as Loki and like basically got all of Hall H to just listen to his command with like a motion of a finger. And then I started writing Loki fan fiction. (laughs) Is there anything better? Right? And And nothing. Nothing, nothing. And it, it opened up just the whole world of fan fiction, really, to me. How it can be more than what the canon material may be. Mm -hmm. Um, like you can have alternate universes, alternate realities. You can have stuff that follows the timeline of the, the canon stuff and then like jumps off just a little bit. You can have a reader or writer insert fan fiction. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was kind of that. Um, (laughs) but it, it also introduced me to, a whole group of other authors who were also writing Loki fan fiction. And I made a whole ton of friends that we don't talk as much now because we kind of got out of the place where we needed that in our lives. And we've gotten to a place where we're okay now, but we still have that friendship and that uh, just that background that connects us. 
And it's actually how I met my best friend. It's how I moved to Texas. Like it started all of that. So it's like a physical, metaphysical, uh, spiritual, sexual journey that ha- that started on Tumblr in 2013 with Tom Hiddleston dressing up as Loki at Comic-Con. <laughs> oh my gosh. So worth it. I'm, I'm sure that Tom Hiddleston is responsible for quite a few sexual awakenings. I don't um, doubt that at all. <laughs> I do not. I do not doubt that. So. You mentioned a sexual journey mm-hmm. back then in 2013. How would you have described yourself as a sexual person? Um, if you if you had a sexual orientation, if you had preferences, what were they at that time? Um, at that time, I would definitely say I identified as straight. Back then, I was very much I was much more conservative than I am now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Stems from growing up in a very conservative Christian home and all that religious trauma and all of that stuff that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So I think it took like three more years before I came out as bisexual, if not more. And like my, I was 20, 27, 26 or 27. I, my sex life was non-existent. Like, because again, the conservative Christian values, save yourself for marriage, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do remember not necessarily feeling ashamed that I hadn't had sex yet, but just wanting to have sex. Like to the point where I was like, I have a friend who I know would do it for me. I could ask him yeah. and he'd probably say yes. I just never got to that point. Yeah. Okay. So we've touched on this sexual awakening through your your fan fiction probably reading and writing mm-hmm. did you start off reading this fan fiction or did the fantasies kind of emerge for you and you had to put them on paper i started out reading in the world of fan fiction you know there's the real person fan fiction which basically is exactly how it sounds it revolves around a real person so i would i would read a lot of tom hiddleston fan fiction as well from there, it kind of created an idea in my head. And my mm-hmm. first, the first piece of fan fiction that I actually published on Tumblr was a Tom Hiddleston alternate universe fan fiction. Basically, my main character, Remy, runs an oasis for celebrities in the woods of Colorado. And Tom was a frequent visitor, and he and Remy were friends. And it's the whole friends to lovers trope that is so prevalent, which I do love it. It's not my favorite, but I do love that trope. It's a good, it's a good one. It is a good one. It's a classic for a reason. It's true. It's true. Um, But that was the first thing I ever published. Um, And I remember my friend Summer, um, who I do still talk to, uh, she wrote, just some of the most amazing things about it when I published it. Cause I was so nervous. I had it sitting on my computer for probably months completed. Like it was ready to go. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm so nervous. These other people are so mm-hmm. good. And, and like summer was a writer in and of herself. And so like I read her stuff and I was like blown away when she commented on my, my, my story. And I was like, uh, you're this amazing writer. Why are you saying all these nice things about my writing? It's not that great. <laughs> but you know, we're, our own, oh. we're our own worst critic. So always, but 
she really like gave me the confidence to keep writing and keep uh, doing what I what I ended up loving. And I still love it. I'm, I miss it because I don't I definitely don't write as much as as I did then. <laughs> Life. <laughs> Life. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, I, I love that that story and what it sounds like to me is that story that started that moment in Tumblr helped you evolve yourself through the character of Remy. You were able to maybe try on some things that hadn't happened in real life yet, but play them out in your mind to see like, do I like this? Is this cool? Um, I'm kind of interested in this. Let me take this thread and run with it. Definitely. That is spot on. And it's funny because from Remy, it kind of branched out into, I started posting my Loki stuff, which Loki compared to Tom himself is a completely different entity. Um, (laughs) And so I was able to explore a little bit more of maybe like the, the dominant side of of the the spectrum whereas with tom Mm -hmm. i didn't really feel like he fit that Um, (laughs) that has since that ideal has since changed based off of what i know now um (laughs) 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 Um, but loki i got to play with a little harsher terms and i found out i liked a lot of that that really opened my eyes and then that opened me up to like Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes fan fiction not them together but um damn it I know I know (laughs) I'm terrible I'm sorry I'm not a Stucky (laughs) fan (laughs) Um, write what you want exactly (laughs) um Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier all dark and brooding whoo Yes, please. Like, <laughs> it definitely narrowed down a vision of what I wanted in my own sexual lifestyle. Okay, so let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I have another identity in your sex life, in your sexuality beyond just bisexual. And mm-hmm. if you've listened to our definitions episode, you might know what I'm talking about, listeners. So, Steffi, share. Yes, I identify as a submissive. Um, Mm -hmm. I have been looking for a permanent dominant for several years now. Easier said than done because there are some really awful people out there. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it has been like eye opening just to be able to feel comfortable in that skin. Because again, Mm -hmm. back to the conservative upbringing. It's not really something that they encouraged or even like hinted at. <laughs> like, you yeah. don't, that's no, that's a no. And uh, reading the fan fiction that I read and writing some of the fan fiction that I ended up writing, it, it was like, oh, hey, um, yeah, people don't think you're all that weird for liking this stuff. So maybe it's okay (laughs) yes and I how did it make you feel the first time that you really or that what was the moment like for you when you realized not just other people had these desires and shared these stories but many people did 
Mm-hmm. And even if they weren't with you, there was this whole world of humanity that thought the way that you did about sex and wanted the things that you did uh, around being uh, a submissive and searching for a dominant. What did that allow you to to kind of open up and own in your own in yourself? Like really myself. Like it, it, I, once I came to the the realization that I'm not weird for liking some of the things I like, it's, it's different, but not abnormal. Once I was really able to come to terms with that, it felt like a giant weight off my shoulders. Literally. I just felt so much more able to be myself. Mm-hmm. It was very freeing, very freeing. Oh, I'm. I love that. And like, and y'all, if this is the first time you've heard this, you are not weird. It is not wrong. You are completely normal in what you want with a fellow consenting adult. And there are people in this world who want and celebrate and embrace everything that you have to offer. And Sefi, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that the world of fan fiction really allowed for you to to first absorb that content and mm-hmm. then and then write that content put pen to paper and take yeah. the things that lived in your head and make them manifest in story even if they might not have happened in real real life yet because as you said like the search especially for a relationship um based on so much communication and where there is yeah. so much trust that has to happen like Y'all, you think it's hard to find just like a boyfriend. Imagine trying to find a, a partner yeah. in in something so specific and so intimate. Um, there is so much trust and communication that goes into that kind of relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the lessons that you have learned through the and I'm assuming and let's let me ask the question first before I assume have you continued to read maybe not necessarily just fan fiction but into the romance genre or the genre of stories with romance and erotic scenes that really gave words to the things that you were looking for and allowed you to express yourself when you did start to take this this desire from your brain into the real world and look for partners. Absolutely. I think one of the, one of the biggest ones that I found um, was um, the Black Dagger Brotherhood. <laughs> oh, Savvy, Savvy. Like you just spoke my love language. You guys missed it. They took a drink and they couldn't respond right away. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Where, where are they? They're like all they're destroyed. They are completely destroyed. My I entire know. series of them. Before we go on, y'all, if you have not read this, this will make no sense to you. If you haven't read it, go read it. But Zadist. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes, go read them. Read them all. Oh. You have to get through a few weird ones, like in the middle, like book 10 or so, but like get, get through yeah. them, keep get through going, them. get through them, keep going. They're amazing. Um, but they ticked off a lot of boxes, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I currently am listening to The Fourth Wing. So oh. 
I'm, yeah. I'm like Zayden. I'm like three hours in and I'm like, Zayden's going to be a problem. Like I'm not, I'm not very far into it at all. So it's like Zayden's going to be a problem just from the description of him. I'm not happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. But Uh, yeah. And then, like I said, like Steve Rogers, Bucky Barnes, mm -hmm. fan fiction, like there is a tag on AO3 where it's like, Dom Bucky Barnes or Dom Steve Rogers. And I'm like, yep, we're just gonna click on that. That's gonna, that's gonna find me what I need. <laughs> Amazing. I will, I will have that link in the show notes. <laughs> yes. I will, I will put that link in the show notes for you all. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Um oh, I still Black Dagger Brotherhood. I know, that's I know. Like, <laughs> that is. That is one deep, deep in my heart, y'all. Um, first blog post, if you haven't checked it out. Dark Lover, first book in the series. Go read the blog post. Go find it, the link to the book. I was actually so told about that. it for the first time by a friend of mine at my very conservative Christian college. <laughs> and she, we were at a, I don't know, we were at a Culver's or something. And she was like, you need to read these books. I think you'd really like them. And then I didn't read them until I was 35. So <laughs> yeah, they are, I mean, they are, they are what they are. They um, are. I will that give nothing else away. Right. Y'all. Go go to the blog, J Series Romance, read Dark Lover, and then get them all. Yes. Gotta catch them all. Oh goodness. So all right. I need to take a breath. <laughs> so you're consuming all of this content. You're reading the Black Dagger Brotherhood. You're reading your your Dom Bucky Barnes, Dom Steve Rogers. How did all of that absorption of content allow you to ask for what you wanted when you found someone to play with um for those of you who do not know play is a preferred term in the kink and bdsm community when you are going to engage in that kind of uh activity when those activities (laughs) to be honest it was still really hard when i first met someone Um, because like you said earlier, it's all about communication, no matter how awkward it is. And it's going to be awkward because you got to be really open because if you're not open, you're not going to get what you want. And the, I think communication is the most important thing in the kink and BDSM community. And I think it took maybe like two or three partners before Mm -hmm. I actually felt totally comfortable in my skin saying what I wanted. Um, And I remember it. I remember the text message that changed it for me. It was a partner I had and I was like, I feel really awkward saying this. He's like, this whole thing is about honesty and openness, even if it's awkward. Like he used those exact words. Oh man. Yes. And that's so important. I I think something that maybe can be assumed is if you have the words in your brain, it's going to be easier to say them out loud. And so and that is not the case. And that is something that I hope to change with this podcast and conversations like this is it's not to eliminate the awkward. It's always going to be awkward talking to a partner 
in kink, in vanilla, in in romance in or affection, in anything. There's always going to be a sense of awkwardness. But what I hope that these conversations and these stories that we're we're gonna that we're having right now and that Sefi has learned and that and that y'all learn is the awkwardness is is worth pushing through. Yeah. And absolutely it's easier to push through when you have the words in your brain. If you're like, it's too awkward for me to say this, that's a very different type of awkward than I know something, I know I need something and I don't know what it is and I'm having trouble communicating with you. Yeah, I I completely agree. That was spot on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I had years of buildup you know, with all the fan fiction that I read and that I wrote, I'm like, oh yeah, I like this. And like, I literally had a list, but you get to that point when you're talking to another person and you're just like, I don't want to say this. Like, yeah. And I think it stems from, from how I was raised for one, from the purity culture that exists in our country and in our world in general, and Mm -hmm. just all of that. But a hundred percent. It's so important. It's so important. You just, I think my grandma sent me a magnet and it says, <laughs> did the motion for a magnet, y'all. And uh, it says, life starts outside your comfort zone. And I can't think of a better way to describe that because you will feel awkward the first time. <laughs> you yeah, just got a hundred percent. I want to, if if those if some of you have never experienced kink and don't know much about kink i want to just highlight that these conversations that we're talking about don't happen in the middle of play or in the middle of a no. scene or in the middle of sex and if you think the time to talk about sex is when you're having it i want to share that that is probably wrong because it's when you're most vulnerable and your partner is most vulnerable and it can feel like you're being told you did the wrong thing yeah. or it can just be very heightened. And something I think that even even for vanilla, as you might call it, sex or um, vanilla-ish, like vanilla with some chocolate drizzle, <laughs> Anytime you want or need to have a conversation about sex or preferences, set time aside with a partner to do so. And even if you're in like one night stand world, have the conversation on the way home versus in yeah. the bedroom when the clothes are coming off. And so, Sefi, as someone in that that world, can you tell us just high level, like big picture, what are when do we have those conversations and what are the conversations that you have when you're setting up to play or scene with a partner? I would say have those conversations constantly um, because preferences change. Like if you're with a, with a partner who is a permanent partner or a long-term partner, have those conversations constantly um, because like I said, preferences will change. You might want something different for that specific uh, play time or scene or um, sexual encounter, or maybe you want something that's going to be put into practice for 
all future scenes or whatever, but you've got to continually talk. If you have the ability, um, talk it out over text. Sometimes that can be a little bit uh, more relieving, I guess, or easier um, because you're not actually saying the words, you're typing it out. Sometimes that mm-hmm. helps, um, makes it a little less awkward, but have it no matter what, mm-hmm. before you bring that person into your bedroom. I'm so sorry about my cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the zoomies right now. Um, but <laughs> before you bring that person into the bedroom, because once you're there, you're there and you need to be in that mm-hmm. moment so you can keep yourself safe in that moment. And to be able to do that, have the conversation first. Um, In specifically like the kink or BDSM community, what we normally discuss would be like limits, like what you are okay with doing, what you're like, "Mm, we need to have a conversation about that first or what you absolutely will not do. And then what you want to happen in that specific time. I always try to meet with a person, a play partner, once outside of anything happening, like coffee or whatever. And then the next time we meet, maybe we can play. Um, Mm -hmm. But because I want to, I like a little bit of connection. That's just me. Um, So I like to get to know the person better. Doesn't always make it past that first meeting. (laughs) But everybody feels that way. Um, But that's okay. I don't want someone that's not necessarily going to have that same emotional level that I'm going to want to be on. Um, But yeah, you want to talk through a scene pretty specifically, especially if it's if it's a scene that requires. not requires, but if it's a scene that contains like impact play or something that Mm -hmm. could like, could, if done wrong, potentially harm someone. Um, you want to make sure all details are very clear. Um, let's pause. Can we pause and just pause for some pause for some glossary additions, (laughs) impact play. How would you define impact play, Sefi? Impact play is when anything uh, strikes the body of a member in the scene. So things that are included in impact play are spanking, whipping, caning, and things of that nature. There are lots of things that can be included in impact play. Uh, Many things can be used to impact. But I wanted our listeners who maybe have never heard that term before Mm -hmm. to understand what's going on and that also within impact play there is a broad spectrum of impact there are things that have a lot of sensation there are things that are very that have lighter sensation and even with the same object you can use them to varying degrees of intensity Mm -hmm. so understanding that impact play happens but not everyone means the same thing when they say I enjoy impact play or yeah. I do not enjoy impact play is important to know. Yes, absolutely. I feel like uh, people who don't identify as kink have 
so much they can learn from the King community. And uh, listeners, let me know if you would like me to do an entire episode on lessons from the King community. But one of them is that you should discuss with your partner what's going to happen. Because even under the term vanilla, maybe you like giving oral sex and your partner doesn't like receiving it. Maybe it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. Maybe you prefer X, Y, and Z in terms of kissing or where hands go or what clothes stay on or come off. Maybe you like some business socks. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And that's for you to decide. But if your partner isn't made aware of this or you don't share this with your partner, it's not fair to them to have to do the work of being in your mind. Yeah. And as much as we would love to be, nobody's a mind reader. No one, no one. (laughs) Has there been content that you have consumed specifically that didn't do your preferences justice in your mind? (laughs) Yes. The lead up to that, yes, y'all. The lead up to it. So, the books that shall not be named. You can say that. Oh, you can say them out loud because we're just going to bleep them out. Okay, good. So, yeah. (laughs) That's terrible. Terrible. Agreed. Um, The uh, only F word in this podcast. Yes. Um, The movie 365 on uh, Netflix. Oh, y'all, that that blog post is coming. It might already be out by the time this episode airs, y'all. Oh, don't read the book. I haven't read the book. It's based on the book. Don't read it. Go read my blog post about it. I will. Oh, Oh, man. But it's, I mean... That's like <laughs> abuse. That movie is abuse. Like it's not anything good. No, but they wrap it all into the BDSM community because it maybe ticks like one of the boxes. And I'm like, there's no. a spreader bar. That's yeah, it. There's that's a spreader it. bar. No, no, he is. No. I mean, he kidnaps her and forces her to like do some stuff she really doesn't want to do. Not okay. Oh man. <laughs> So how do you feel about, like, let's, since we've kind of tapped into this, dark romance in general? I think if it's done well, it can be pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, I know how you feel about it, but I like dark mafia romance. <laughs> I have no idea how I feel about it. <laughs> um. I don't know. I think it it has to do with the whole power exchange, which is a big mm-hmm. deal in the BDSM community and something I'm looking for um, yeah. personally. So a dark romance really lends itself to a power imbalance. But the thing is, is you can't have the imbalance. It has to be a power exchange, which is different. Yes, snaps <laughs> for that. Y'all, here's, so Sefi mentions, uh, we had a conversation before we started recording about dark mafia romance, and it's so prevalent, um, and I feel like there's got to be good stuff out there, but 
My biggest problem with that, and Sefi, you might have the same thing, is so much of it happens without actual consent being given. Mm-hmm. And and it's just like, oh, I guess I kind of like that. Um, I have I have no shame. Like you want to be, you want to have impact play, you want to have breath play, you want to have consensual non-consent role playing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. But unless that first C is given, unless there's an actual way for stuff to stop if it gets too much, then it's not consensual. You just happen to not hit the limit. Good for you. But you kind of were trying to. Yeah. Um, There's a really great novella by Katie Robert called Desperate Measures. And it does a wonderful job of establishing that they have a safe word first that no matter how violent or non-consent appearing it is, there are multiple times throughout every scene, every impact, every interaction they have where there is a pause to check in. And if you're not having that check-in to me, it doesn't feel like consent. Um, mm-hmm. And I would love, I would love to hear from you, Sefi. Do you agree? Do you have books where they have that as well? Yes. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, A big thing I learned about was enthusiastic consent. It's a big, big thing right now. It's my personal personal kink. (laughs) Yes. That's that's the only kink that Jace has that I have enthusiastic consent enthusiastic consent and as soon as if like if you're doing check-ins that's brilliant but if at any moment that enthusiastic consent changes in any way shape or form you're done that's it Mm -hmm. there needs when you're dealing with that kind of play especially with that kind of play and I think Mm -hmm. honestly regardless if you're having vanilla sex if you're in the middle of like uh, an incredibly uh intricate scene there needs to be an out button yeah regardless Um, absolutely to be able to trust your partner if something is no longer working all right um that ended on maybe not the latest of notes so we're gonna finish up um i i am so thrilled this has been such an incredible conversation Sefi and I like to end our interviews with five questions for for you to answer so that everyone gets a shot at the same thing for you to answer so currently what is your favorite romance novel oh my goodness I think I'm going to say, okay, so it's not erotica, but it is romance. Um, It's called Cinder. And (gasps) I just read that. (laughs) I love the whole series. Um, I love love the whole series. I'm on Scarlet. On Scarlet. Yeah. 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 Um, I I think it's, it's basically a retelling of Cinderella. And that's one of my favorite tropes is retelling of fairy tales. But it's fantastic. And I love the, the romance in it. I love it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Where and how do you prefer to read? So you mentioned an audiobook, audiobook mm-hmm. already. Do you like physical books, Kindles? What, how do you consume? 
I prefer a physical book, but mm-hmm. I also do a lot of activity that doesn't lend itself to physical book reading. <laughs> <laughs> so mm-hmm. I've I've recently come to grudgingly enjoy audiobooks. Um, I listen to them when I work out, when I'm at work mm-hmm. and I'm bored or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. However you can consume. Yeah. So at Jace Reads Romance, we have this idea called Comfy Sexy. And the the thing behind it is that in your comfiest place, your comfiest clothes, in your bed, in your reading nook, whatever that place is for you, whatever that aesthetic is for you, you are also and can be your most sexual by consuming romance, by reading and learning about yourself and this idea of comfy sexy. So what does comfy sexy mean to you? So (laughs) I have this image in my head. I have never been able to reproduce it, but I, I need to at some point in my life. It's basically curled up on a chair under a blanket with a mug of hot cocoa or coffee and a book in your lap and it's raining outside yes amazing that's exactly I love that (laughs) oh my gosh that is that is a comfy sexy image right there yeah so besides that (laughs) when do you feel your sexiest I would have to say probably after a play session with a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I am, my form of aftercare is physical touch. Um, so like just being snuggled up in someone's arms and they're like running their fingers on my back or playing in with my hair. I just feel very like... I guess cherish would be a good word. And like, yeah, I feel very sexy then. (laughs) I love that. Pause for a glossary alert. Aftercare is something done by a dominant to a submissive, usually at the end of a scene or at the end Mm -hmm. of play so that they can come down from whatever emotions or physical experience they just had in a very supportive and safe environment. There is no, ideally, no, like, hopping out of bed, throwing on your clothes and leaving for a dominant. That's just not the way that those relationships work. I will add, it can also be done by a submissive for a dominant. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You are correct. Let's not, let's make this equal. This is true. Okay, fine. Last question. Okay. What is the one thing you want our listeners to know about sex and sexuality before you leave? Trust your gut. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Especially when it comes to finding partners or when it comes to negotiating with a partner if you're in the um, kink or BDSM community that's what the conversations are called it's called a negotiation Um, and trust yourself you know yourself enough you know you know what you like if someone tells you that 
oh, no, no, it's okay. Just try it once. I'm sure you'll like it, but you don't want to try it. Don't try it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, don't do it. There's no. no. Also, if you don't want to try it with that person, don't, don't try it with don't that person. Don't try it. But like maybe one day, not you. I, yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. Oh my goodness, Sefi. Thank you so much for this incredible conversation. Where can our listeners follow along, find your, your past novels and hopefully future what future stories I will say that I have been working on a a novel for about five years now um and it it actually is stemmed from a Tom Hiddleston fan fiction that I wrote for a friend for Christmas I think it was a Christmas (laughs) Santa exchange (laughs) um and yeah but uh so hopefully we'll get I'll get buckled down on that one. Um, but I still have fan fiction up at AO3.com. Um, at, I'm Persephone622 over there. Um, possibly fanfiction.net, but I don't know that it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> AO3 is your best bet. Amazing. All of that will be linked in the show notes. Seppi, thank you so much for your time today. This has been just an incredible conversation. Thank you so much, Jace. I had so much fun. That's it for today, y'all. This has been a Three Paws Productions podcast. You can find Jace and so much more at jacereadsromance.com. That's J-A-Y-C-E readsromance.com. Follow along on TikTok and Instagram at Jace Reads Romance. And if you'd like to send an email, our email address is Jace at JaceReadsRomance.com. To leave a voicemail with a question or testimonial for a future episode, call and leave a message at 661 Jace R R. That's 661 529 2377. And finally, like and subscribe so you can get every episode when they drop. And remember, this is Chase holding space for you.